Good morning, ladies. So excited to be here. Can you believe we only have two more weeks of teaching and then we'll be done. You will have finished the book of Ruth. Wow, look at you. Such a fun time. So we had a lot going on this week, right? In our study. Uh, Two days, but that was nice, but we've kind of come off quite a bit of information and scripture. So here we are. We're going to start in Ruth 3. Just going to, and, and what we're going to do this morning is at first, we're just going to say, what is happening? What has been happening? What does everything mean? Right? Uh, some of the symbolism, we've got sandals, we've got people being covered and uncovered, and what is going on? So we're going to talk about that just a little bit. And then we're going to step into kind of what I, um, I see as an overall theme. We're going to be looking at faith and who God is and just a little bit more reminding us about the overarching theme of Ruth. So let's get going. Our great God and Father, we praise your holy name. We worship you and your goodness and your faithfulness. And we just pray this morning that your word would come and speak to each of us what we need to hear, that we may love you more, know you more, to serve you more, to become more like Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're looking at at the um, end of Ruth 3, where last week Rhonda left us waiting, right? The ladies were waiting after Ruth had uh, gone to the threshing floor in the middle of the night, and Rhonda gave us a little bit about that. Then we wanted to know, so what was all of this with the covering and uncovering? Well, first it was uh, Naomi told Ruth to go and uncover his legs, right, and to sleep at his feet, to, to, to wait there for him. Well, I did a little bit of studying this week, a little Torah training. The Torah is kind of the first five books of the Bible, and I just thought, well, that in, sorry, I'm getting a little ahead of myself. I had so much going on, so much learned in Torah training, but they were covering the teaching of the Jewish customs. So I kind of went to school there online, and I learned that while there was, uh, there's a lot of different takes on the story, it was not, it was really a, as Ruth was going there, the uncovering of his legs, the uncovering of his feet, kind of could be just to help him wake up as he was sleeping after, his, after he had been working and had eaten and had settled down for the evening. And Ruth, there at his feet, was in a posture of humility, a posture of humility that she was there. And then later on in the scripture, when he wakes up, right? When Boaz wakes up and he says, who are you? And Ruth says, I am your maid. So spread your covering over your maid for you are a close relative. So now she is asking to be covered. Spread your covering over your maid. Some interesting things about that. 
First, her verbiage that she used here, the, the word when she calls herself your maid, or your, some of your versions might say your handmaiden. If you remember back in Ruth 2, when she came to the field and she had said, I am your handmaiden, I am your servant, Similar words, but what I learned was when she, the first time she met Boaz, when she came to the field and she used that word, I am your handmaiden or your servant, it was she was using it and putting herself in the context of a foreigner. I am from a foreign land. As she was, a Moabite, here, here, when she is using that word here that I am your handmaiden, Cover me, for I am your handmaiden. She has made the transition where this is a, a Jewish term, a term for a Jewish handmaiden. It's still a slave or servant, but it's embraced in the Jewish culture. She is identifying herself now. She has left her people like we knew she did with Naomi when she gave her, her great beautiful words, I will, your God will be my God, your people, my people. And now at this point, she is saying, spread your covering over me, your hand servant. Under, I, I am in the, the Jewish tradition, I, I am all in. And I can receive the, the blessing that comes with that. It was very interesting just to point out how she had come along in her journey. And Boaz, is he surprised? No. She's asking as he knows exactly what she's asking. In symbolizing the covering that would be as he is the, the relative then who would provide protection, provide security. Her kinsman redeemer who would then marriage, she is asking for marriage. That he would fulfill those, do, that was a Jewish law, Jewish custom. I, we've talked about that before, that as there was no other male heir, a kinsman would step in and take that responsibility. And that's what she's asking for when she is saying, cover me. All that comes with that. And those details will be covered next week. But that's what she's asking for. And Boaz knows exactly what she's asking for. He knows exactly what she is asking him to do. How does he respond? Boaz in his typical Boaz fashion. Verse 11. Verse 10, he said, May you be blessed of the Lord, my daughter. You have shown your last kindness to be better than the first by not going after young men, whether rich or poor. And now, my daughter, do not fear. I will do whatever you ask, for all my people in the city know that you are a woman of excellence. He commends her. He again is gracious. He is willing to do this for her, but he also knows, as he tells her a little bit later, there's someone ahead of him in line. It just couldn't be anyone. There was an order. And Boaz knows that he's not first in, the, in line. 
And I think what is beautiful here is what is consistent with his character that we have seen is that he goes about things in the proper way. He goes about things in the proper way. Where we were left at the end of last week. Wait, my daughter. Uh, This is Naomi speaking after Ruth has returned to her. Wait, my daughter, until you know how the matter turns out, for the man will not rest until he has settled it today. So we're waiting. And then we get to start on chapter four. Now Boaz went up to the gate and sat down there, and behold, the close relative of whom Boaz spoke, that was the guy who's first in line, he passed by. And so Boaz said, turn aside, friend, sit down here. And he turned aside and sat down. So Boaz goes to the gate where business is done. That's where people came in and out. He knew he would find this man there. He, he engages him. As we learned in our lesson, he calls together 10 men so that it will be official. He wants things to be official. He's not trying to scoop behind this guy's back. He wants things right out there in the open. And then he asks him, he tells him, Naomi, who has come back from the land of Moab, has to sell a piece of land which belonged to our brother Elimelech. So I thought to inform you, saying, buy it before those who are sitting here and before the elders of my people. If you will redeem it, redeem it. But if not, tell me that I may know, for there is no one but you to redeem it, and I am after you. So the guy first in line hears, I, get, I, I have the opportunity to redeem this land. I'm gonna do it. That sounds great. Add to my, to my wealth, to my inheritance. Then Boaz said, on the day you buy the field from the, land, from the hand of Naomi, you must also acquire Ruth, the Moabitess, the widow of the deceased, in order to raise up the name of the deceased on his inheritance. One more thing. One more thing. You have the land. But Ruth also needs to be redeemed, and that line continued in the way of their custom. This the man was not willing to do. Many thoughts here. He'd just not want to bring someone else into his household. He said he was worried about losing his inheritance from what I understood. That was not really a possibility that he would lose his own line. But when things needed to be passed on to Ruth's child, he would get back that portion of land that belonged to his grandfather. So the man would have paid for the land and then have to give it to Ruth's child. That didn't sound so good to him. So he said, I cannot redeem it for myself, lest I jeopardize my own inheritance. Redeem it for yourself, and you may have the right of redemption, for I cannot redeem it. Then he talks about how it is the custom of the land that a man remove his sandal and give it to another. So the closest relative to Boaz said, buy it yourself, and he removed his sandal. 
And then Boaz said, you are witnesses today. I have bought the land of Naomi that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Malon. So he gives him his sandal. I don't know. Obviously not what we do today. Don't exchange shoes. One thing I read that was interesting was like it was symbolizing that I'm giving you my sandal in that I'm not going to be treading on that land. It is yours. It is yours. It is the possession has gone to you. I am, I am relinquishing that. So the deal is sealed. Guy number one in line no longer has claim to it. And Boaz has stepped up as the redeemer. That's what's going on in the whole, in, in that part of it. And got a little confusing there, but. Then we get to see how Boaz is, is, is stepping up then. He's going to marry um, Ruth. Everything she's, his covering will be over her. His covering will be over her. Beautiful. So that's our story to this point. I wanted to look at faith, faith in this whole story. And when I thought of Boaz, his faith, his consistent responses of grace and character, his clear mind and thought show such a depth of character and faith. He woke up in the middle of the night with a beautiful woman laying next to him or at his feet. He is a man. It is dark. But his character. What he had already decided about how he would live his life before God. Helped him. His mind was clear. His thoughts were true. He knew what was going on. And he responded gently and graciously and beautifully. I have this picture of him as being, as I read about him, as being settled in to God. Not stagnant or um, like he doesn't move and grow but he's settled into who God is. He knows his Lord. He knows his God and he serves him and he loves him. Remember, he has also gone through the famine. He has gone through the famine. It's not like he was untouched, but he rests well in the Lord through good times and bad. And this made me think of a psalm, Psalm 1, actually, verses 1 to 3. How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers, but, but 
His delight, this is blessed is the man, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. And he will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither, and in whatever he does, he prospers. This made me think of Boaz. He was firmly planted. He was firmly planted. His delight was in the law of the Lord. He knew it because he thought about it. This growing, this yielding fruit in its season, ladies, this growth takes time. This is years, this is days, this is months. This is a lifetime of walking with the Lord, praying and talking to him. This is, I know you know this, but I was just so convicted of this as I was reading this, and the Lord just brought this on my heart as I was reading, and on his law he meditates day and night, and he will be like a tree firmly planted. Don't you want to be firmly planted? I know you do. I know you want to be firm and strong in the Lord. Well, in his law he meditates day and night. We think about him. This is not a game or a hobby that we are here studying God's word. This is life. God's word is life. It is that we may be firmly planted in him. It reminded me of Cade, our youngest, who is now 21. He just celebrated his 21st birthday. How can that be? I don't know. Do I look that old? Um, but when he was about four or five, I was going to a Bible study fellowship and he was going to the children's program. And there, when the kids would learn their verses and sing their songs, but then they would have quiet time. And the kids would come and they would each have brought a beach towel. And we as the children's leaders would lay out their beach towel And then they would lay on it and the leader would say, now remember our story, how great God is or Jesus, how much he loves you or something like that. And then the kids would lay down and they would turn down the lights and they would say, now it's quiet. It's time for you to think about Jesus. Think about what we learned about God. And yes, the little three and four and five-year-olds would lay down on their towels. I'm not saying it was all miraculous and nobody moved or picked their nose or, you know, tried to hit their neighbor, but it was quiet. And they were thinking about, that's what they were to be thinking about. That was the goal. And I remember a couple days, after a few weeks, I asked Cade, we were coming out and I said, you know when you lay your towel down and then you lay there in the dark and so I was just wondering, what do you think about? And he just looked at me with his little face and just said, I'm thinking about Jesus. I was just like, of course you are. 
So I want to ask you, when do you lay out your beach towel and lay on the floor and think about Jesus? When do you meditate on the truths you are learning from God's word about who he is? When do you remind yourself that God is good, he is sovereign and true? It just kept coming to me, busy, we are always so busy. Isn't that the word that we would probably all could have stamped across our forehead? Busy. That shouldn't be our battle cry. That shouldn't be what we are striving for. I always have my phone with me. I've got my phone. I'm checking my phone. When do I stop and lay on my beach towel? and think about Jesus. Pray, meditate. How do I soak up what I'm by the streams of water? How do I soak that up and let that soak in? Ladies, we must have that. We must have that if we are going to be firmly planted. There's no other way. It's not going to be by osmosis or because we rub shoulders with somebody who does. It's you and him. Let's calm our hearts and our minds and our souls down to remind ourselves to go over and over what we know to be true about our great God. We need to lay on the floor and think about Jesus. Ruth, her faith, what do we learn about her here? And when I think of Ruth, I think of how she went to God as her refuge. At the beginning, when she was with Naomi, and she left her people and and her gods, and she embraced the God of Israel, she went to him for refuge. Boaz commends that when he says, you came to the, under the wings of the Almighty for refuge. She trusted in the Lord, went ahead in faith, sought refuge with a godly man to be covered. God's covering is all over her life. God's covering is all over your life. Her faith and trust was in him. Where else could she go? Where else can we go? Where else will we go? Psalm 18. I thought of here was beautiful. Made me think of Ruth and her faith, and how God is her refuge, her fortress, her strength, her provider, her protector. 
And my prayer is that we will see the Lord this way. The psalmist writes, I love thee, O Lord, my strength. Is he your strength? Where are you running? The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised over and over, and I am saved from my enemies. Where does your faith take you? I pray that it is under the wings of our great God. In the shadow of the Almighty is one way the psalmist puts it. God is so big, cast a shadow over all. Ladies, let's step in it. Let's stay there, backed up against our great God who is our rock and our fortress and our strength. I was fortunate enough to be able to go to the women's night out and I heard the, the speaker, Annie F. Downs, and she said this one thing that I've been, have you ever heard the quote or something that just keeps going over and over in your mind? And she said, her pastor had um, challenged them in this way, worship until you worship, pray, until you pray. And I've been thinking about that over and over. And there was just some, many years back, a time in my life when I wanted my roots to be deeper and firmer. And so every time my heart was terrified or troubled or scared or torn apart, and all those thoughts are coming in. You know what they are? How is this going to work out? I don't know. I don't see a way. God must not love me. Where is he? He has left us alone. He doesn't care. Uh, do those come in your mind quickly and easily? Kind of just like boom, 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 boom. And I thought, Lord, I don't want to be going there. So I stopped and I said, Every time those thoughts came to my mind, I said, Lord, I praise you. I worship you. You are sovereign. You are merciful. You are good. Whatever I knew to be true about him. Your list doesn't have to be 20,000 things long, although with our great God, it could be. I wanted to replace the fear with something solid. And it took time because sometimes I was just saying the words. I was just praying or worshiping, just saying the words. But after a while, when I asked the Lord to calm my heart down so that I could hear what I was saying, so that I could hear the truth that God was reminding me of. 
then I was able to start worshiping and praying because then I remembered, God, you are sovereign. God, you are all-knowing. You are faithful. And my heart would embrace what my mind knew to be true. And my mind would embrace what my heart knew to be true. Habit. Do I do it all the time? No, foolishly, no. But then I catch myself. What am I doing? Why am I spiraling? Why am I allowing my thoughts to continue in this way? Please, I'm not trying to blow my own horn. It would be terribly flat. It's God. It's God's spirit in us that reminds us of the truth of who he is. Ladies, our faith is not blind or mindless. When we walk in faith, when we step out, we're not stepping into thin air. It may feel like that, but we are walking. We are stepping out on the solid truth of who God is. There's nothing more solid than that. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for and the conviction of things not seen. The assurance, the being sure of. We are sure. Pastor Jeff must have been looking through my notes because he was speaking on that this week. I heard him uh, here at our church on this very verse. I'm just kidding. But I also loved how he put this assurance, our support, our foundation, our steadying. It's sure. It's not stepping off into thin air. And the conviction, borrowing from him proof based on evidence, it is foundational. We have seen God be faithful. We have seen his power displayed in creation. If you have to walk outside and stand in front of the sky, do it. Be overwhelmed by his goodness there. What about for each other? Don't forget, we, we encourage each other to remind each other who God is. That's why I just love ladies, as we get together to share, to celebrate this, think about what God has done. It's all about him. When we hear how great he is or how he has moved, our hearts and our souls are encouraged. When we give him praise and when we focus on him, ladies, our hearts are turned. We can go one more day, one more step because we are reminded of who he is. Let's not miss that. Let's not miss that great blessing of praising him and giving him praise. 
We are stepping out on the solid truth of who God is, what Jesus did for us on the cross, the solidness of the fact that our souls are safe in him, in the fact that his dying for us on the cross and his raising from the dead, he has thrown open the gates of heaven. That is our future. That is your future and mine if we are in Jesus Christ. Even in the midst of so much evil and tragedy that we see in this world, where will we go back to? This is not all there is. This is not all there is. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. We know God brings comfort, and he will not let the unrighteous go unpunished. We cannot see it all, but we can keep our eyes on him and move forward in faith. Strong faith, assurance, with great conviction. Oh, ladies, how exciting to see our great God in the pages of Scripture. My prayer is that it would bring you and me to know him more, to love him more, to to obey and serve him more, that we may become more like Christ. The verse I have there on your handout, John 16, that talks about how Jesus is the vine and we are the branches. We are to live and abide in him, be so wrapped up in him. He is where we get our life, our very life. And I want to end with Psalm 103. Ladies, as we don't want to forget, by golly, get out your beach towel. Lay it on the ground. Lay on it and think about Jesus. And may your soul be overwhelmed. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my my soul, and forget none of his benefits. And then they are listed. Who pardons all your iniquities, heals all your diseases, redeems your life from the pit. Who crowns you with loving kindness and compassion. Who satisfies your years with good things. The Lord is compassionate and gracious and slow to anger, abounding in loving kindness. He has not dealt with us according to our sins. So great is his loving kindness towards those who fear him. So far as the east is from the west, so far he has removed his transgressions from us. Just as a father has compassion on his children, So the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he himself knows our frame and he is mindful that we are but dust. The Lord has established his throne in the heavens and his sovereignty rules over all. Ladies, stay there over and over. Worship until you worship. Pray until you pray. Until your roots are down deep in the truth of who our great God is. And then I pray that our souls together will bless the Lord 
O my soul, and all that is within me, bless your holy name. Amen.